So this morning we come to chapter 15 in John's Gospel. And this passage is really the real heart of Jesus's talking to his disciples and teaching them about the final days in his life. And it's the last of Jesus's I am sayings. So from John 15 we read, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. I don't know about some of you, whether you're gardeners, a bit like me, but don't you feel mean at this time of year when your shrubs are just beginning to flourish and you come along with your secateurs and cut them down. And last weekend, I was determined to have a go at my buddleia. 
And I was so pleased that Monty Don's first job, not this Friday, last Friday, Kachibudlia. So I was absolutely right. But I have sort of a heritage of learning about pruning because my father was the farm manager of a um, government experimental station. And in the 50s and 60s, when I was growing up on the farm, every Sunday afternoon, we took a walk around the farm so that Dad could see really what needed to be done the next week. And he was the liaison between the scientists and the workers. And I can distinctly remember one Sunday afternoon, he took us up to the apple orchard. Well, normally they were beautiful apple trees, but there was one section that had been changed. And all these apple trees had been turned into cordon ones growing along wires. And to me, they looked so straggly and they were just a few bits of branch strapped onto the wires. But Dad explained to us that they will get more fruit out of those trees than they will on my traditional apple tree. And I thought, surely not. But they did. Amazing what pruning can do for the fruit that comes. But why is Jesus talking about being a vine? If we go back to the Old Testament, we can find lots of references where Israel was referred to as the vine um, of God. And if you go to um, Psalm 80, it says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out bows to the sea, it shoots as far as the rivers. But as we know what happened later, and if we read Isaiah, I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And if you look at Jeremiah and Hosea as well, they both point to the fact that God planted a really fruitful vineyard. But unfortunately, as we know through the Old Testament, how Israel was influenced by the communities around them and they fell away from what God had intended. And so Jesus comes here and says, I am the true vine. 
And my father, well, it says in our version, the gardener. Well, to me, a gardener is the one that does the weeding and just titivating up. And if you turn to some other versions, it says that he is the vine... I've lost it now. Dresser. The vine dresser. Because vines need a lot of work put into them to produce a super harvest. But we have that assurance in verse 3, before we start look, looking at the pruning. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus is talking to those who have that faith and is now addressing the way that they are living. You're in me. The branches, what do branches in the vine actually do? If you go back to your biology lessons, and you probably remember that the branches, first of all, normally produce leaves and then the fruit. And it's the leaves with photosynthesis that nourishes the whole tree. But two things are required for maximum fruiting. To remain attached to the main trunk so that all the goodness comes up. I don't know whether you've noticed lately that um, they're doing a lot of work in the woodlands around us. And a lot of trees have been felled and replaced with others. And when you go and look at those cut trunks, well, I personally cannot but marvel at the wonders of creation as you look at that trunk. And just think how all the nutrients from the soil and the water just go up that trunk and into the branches to keep the trees healthy. But as it says here, the unfruitful branches need to be pruned out. Pruned out because they are damaging the rest of the branches. They wither and vine wood apparently is no good for anything. It's no good saving it for trying to make something with it and using it for carpentry. It's only good for putting on a bonfire and getting rid of. And I feel that this is symbolism of the judgment. If we don't stay connected, we will fall away and be pruned out. But the other branches still need pruning so that they're kept healthy. And he says, remain in me. And do you know, I can't but thank this church enough 
for the Living in Freedom courses that we have done. That wonderful feeling that we can go to other friends within the family of St. Leonard's and pray with them and find out what was it that God intended us to be, as we tend to call it, our original design or our DNA. And then when we've realised that, to go back to friends again and say, well, can you help me because I don't seem to be walking the way that God has intended me to be. And so we can go to friends and receive what we call stronghold prayer. And I have benefited so much for being able to get rid of a lot of rubbish out of my life. Some of it has been hereditary. Some of it has been of my own making. But it's a wonderful opportunity to meet with friends and prune out what we know isn't of God. And Jesus says, remain in me. That characteristic of real trust, prayer and obedience to his word. It's not drudgery, it's real joy to be in that place of real trust in God. That pure joy, inner joy. Yes, life gives us sometimes ups and real downers. And I have to say, when Dave was really poorly, I never felt that the Lord left us. He was there walking beside us all the way. Yes, sometimes I lashed out and said, why God? But he was there beside us, walking that path. It's keeping us close with that daily personal relationship, characterised, as I've just said, with that real trust, prayer and obedience. Listening and spending time, not keep talking to God, but stopping to listen to him. But verse 7, and again in verse 16, I think it's a verse that often is taken out of context. Because it says there, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. And at the end, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. For me, that's taken so often out of context. But it means that if we remain within Christ's love and fellowship, we are so in tune with what he wants that we request God's desire for us. 
It's keeping that one-to-one relationship of having him living in us, internalizing his teaching and making spiritually informed requests. Verse 10 says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And he says, you know, everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Don't you go, wow? Everything God has told Christ, he has relayed to us. Wow. Doesn't that make you want to live day by day closer to him? And Jesus then calls us a friend. Yes, he's referring to the next few days of when he will lay down his life for his friend. We are not servants. Obedience, which a servant would automatically do, does not make a true believer. But it characterizes a true believer. If we truly believe that Christ is our saviour, his living in us, doesn't that make you want to obey what he wants? Our inner joy is often attractive, well, it's very attractive, to non-believers. Some of us may have had people ask us, well, what makes you so happy or what makes you so joyful? Years ago, it was more popular to wear a fish on the lapel so people knew that you were a Christian. I don't know whether it died out when people started to say the trouble with Christians are they have a fish on their lapel but the chips on the shoulders. You remember that saying? Or dowdy Christians. How can we be dowdy when Christ has given us such wonderful teaching about remaining with him in the vine? But what fruit are we displaying as Christians? It's a wonderful passage. And if we allow Christ to prune us, we should at all times display those fruit which Paul taught us. That love, that joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We cannot be a branch on our own. We very quickly die away. And when I was thinking about this passage, the Lord just said to me, we're all different branches 
with the same root. We have a wonderful fellowship here, and we're part of Christ's fellowship spread throughout the world. As we grow in his love, we nourish the others. We each feed each other and grow stronger. Christ said to finish, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Amen.